You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the unofficial 40. Soonerscoop.com's very official recruiting podcast featuring Soonerscoop.com recruiting publisher Josh McQuistian. Get your recruiting fix from the leader in Sooner Recruiting. It's the unofficial 40 with your hosts, Soonerscoop.com publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian. We are back. It is time for another unofficial 40. It seems like it's been a while. And uh, Eddie Radosevich and myself, we're alive. We're back. Uh, Eddie wearing his Chicago Cubs hat proudly as his boys move on to the NLCS uh, to face. Who, who won we don't know. Night? The, the winner They play tonight. Oh, they yeah. play tonight. Okay. We don't know yet. Either the Nationals or the Dodgers. Eddie right. wants the Nationals. He doesn't, I don't he care doesn't who want, they play. No, you told me last night driving back that no, you, I said you it, concerned I said it doesn't about the matter. Dodgers. No, you were concerned. No, I said. Well, I just said that they didn't play very well against them this year. That sounds. That seems like the same thing as saying I'm concerned. It doesn't matter. They're gonna kick whoever's ass they play. All right, uh, Eddie, bringing the fire early. Joe Duvall is in studio. Happy that he did not have to go to Nashville. Uh, I'm sure now, even though I think he really wanted to in the beginning. Well, I mean, uh, I I hate traveling. I Although, like I like I like to be at the destination, but like the way there is See, never I like fun. The driving. By the way, we did see Joe Duvall's mini me walk into the <sighs> hipsteriest taco joint that we've and guess who recommended the hipster taco joint? Josh McQuistian is driving furiously towards Oklahoma right now. Josh, you want to guess who who uh recommended the hipster taco joint? I think it's the very same non-mini-me Joe Duvall. How were the tacos, we though? They were great. They were okay. <laughs> I thought they were really good. They were decent. I mean, oh. there, was, there was one that was okay. I thought it You're was... anti-hipster. It was some of the better tacos I've had. Everyone should be anti-hipster. Folk music is dying. I hate to tell you this, Joe. I got my Mumford album on the record player right now. Is it the, is it the new one, though, where they went electronic because they knew hipster was dying? It is the new one, yeah. Yeah, see? Right there. Uh, all right, uh, Josh McQuistian joining us. Josh, tell us what the hell you're doing right now. I am currently stuck in traffic about 45 minutes north of Dallas as I head up to Tulsa tonight to see uh, Levi Draper and Isaiah Thomas go head-to-head. Is it by uh, Sanger where you're stuck? What's that? Is it by Sanger where you're stuck? Uh, yeah, we're, we're kind of, I'm almost dead between Dallas and um, the state uh, line. Denison, basically, is the way to think of it. Yeah, I think I think you're stuck. There's something that happens in Sanger. It's like some weird thing. It's not even the state line. We got stuck in it coming back from. It's because they have a little bitty lane change there, and people freak out and, and start getting off the road on the highway, and it just causes a great big mess. So well, now you're talking about 35. I'm I'm, I'm on 75 headed. I, I'm dodging the whole 35. Oh, okay, okay. Well, then I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Uh, I do know that there's a lot of traffic cones on I-40 when you head uh, east out of Oklahoma. I think I was talking last night to Eddie, like, 
How does Oklahoma have these many traffic cones? There were literally like 10 miles of traffic cones. It's amazing. You go all the way through you mean Tennessee. Like in the entire state's coffers, they have that many cones. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it, it's, it's really messed up, actually, because we went through Tennessee and Arkansas. There's no construction anywhere. You hit the state line in Oklahoma, and all you have is construction cones. We did almost die last night. Yeah. I mean, it was some of the heaviest rain I've ever seen. And we had like the truck from that, what was that movie, the ACDC Overdrive? That had the goblin on the front of it. You guys don't, you're too young. I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea. I felt like that was chasing me down last night in the rainstorm. It was raining really hard. It was scary. And there were jackasses. There was a point where it was like, I can't see anything. And that was the point where I should have stopped going (laughs) 60. I never got under 60, which was my own damn fault. We were making good time. I couldn't see a damn thing. And yet I decided, ah, this is fine. It's like that guy, it's like that dog sitting in the burning burning room. This is fine. Everything's fine. I mean, as long as you point it straight and everybody else keeps going 60, you're good. Yeah, that truck riding up my ass was really bothering me, though. Uh, so anyway, why did we go to Nashville? Uh, Josh, do you want to answer that question? I, I think, Josh, you and Joe were the ones that, that heard. Let's just talk about how this broke. Like Tuesday morning, I get back from my radio show, and I usually get back here around 10. I think I stayed around to... Just glad hand a little bit because during the season I just run out of there as soon as the show's over. So I go to the boss man's office and just chew the fat a little bit before I leave. So I got around ten fifteen or so. All of a sudden, Josh and Joe are both blowing up our text exchange. What 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 happened, Josh? Well, you know, and, and I, we want to give some credit to Woody Womack, our now regional guy with Rivals, who had really yep. helped me on this story all along. But he had mentioned in a post, and he put it up on the corner that. Uh, Jacob was planning to talk to Nick Saban on Monday night, and then he would kind of have a idea, because we all know there, there was a little bit of um, debate on whether he was a take for Alabama. They, they, they have so many inside linebackers, that was going to be an issue. So that, that kind of came about. We heard Tuesday morning that phone call didn't happen, and I thought it was pretty telling when you guys talked to Jacob Phillips. He mentioned Tuesday morning I knew Oklahoma was right. I think that's that was kind of, if there was any indecision left in the game for him, I think that was what kind of sealed OU as his decision. Yeah, and I've been talking to Jacob, you know, since I went out to see him in Nashville this summer. Uh, and back then, he kind of gave me the impression that, you know, I think I got a couple of schools at, up at the top that I like. I'm going to do my visits and everything, but I think there's a couple, and OU's one of, the, one of those teams. And then, kind of throughout the process, we, we felt confident that Oklahoma was one of those top couple teams, probably with Alabama. Um, and then it looked like Oklahoma was starting to separate here late and that they, lo- they looked like they were in good position. And so I texted Jacob, I don't know, a week ago, and I asked him, I said, so uh, what are you thinking? You've done your visits. Do you feel good about where you're going to go? And he said, absolutely not. I have no idea where I'm going to go. He seemed more confused than ever. And that's kind of my first instinct of, oh, maybe something's kind of falling apart here with OU. Josh heard Alabama was starting to make a bit of a move. What was it? What was it like a week ago where Josh, I think you were the first to send out something to our group? It's our group tweet. It's not a group text, but... Group DM. Group group DM. DM. Group DM, sorry. Uh, But you basically called it for Alabama at one point last week, right? Yeah, I mean, it sounded... You know, again, it was me talking to Woody and talking to some of my people. There was... It definitely felt like maybe Alabama had kind of nudged ahead after his official visit uh, there a few weeks ago. And then... The weird part to me was the curveball this A&M visit last weekend that was yeah. never part of the plan. He never really mentioned A&M. 
but I know his trainer in the Nashville area, a guy he worked with a lot, uh, played for Chavis at Tennessee. So there was some there was some connection. There was some worry that maybe that was going to come together. So things over the last week, like after months and months of everybody feeling like, well, if it's not OU, it's Alabama, and then it kind of seemed like it turned OU, like Joe mentioned. And then all of a sudden, it really felt like maybe OU was even in third. It just it changed very violently over the last few uh, few days. Yeah, and I, I Jacob's always somebody who he he's been a little coy about where he wants to go. He'll kind of lead you down the path of what he kind of likes, but he won't take you all the way there. But I mean, within these last week or so, this is the first time I talked to him, and he just felt completely confused. And I think the Texas A&M visit, I think Alabama, both those schools really made an impression on him, and he was starting to kind of think, oh, I don't know if I'm going to go to Oklahoma. He was entertaining other ideas, and then I think Josh is exactly right about the Woody report about the Nick Saban call. I think that was the final straw. I think Tuesday he woke up uh, knowing knowing what he was going to do, and I, you know, I think we talked to him that Tuesday. I texted with him and said, hey. You know, is it going to be worth it for uh, us to come cover you? And he said, yeah, I think so. So You know, and I never really talked to this. I, I don't think anybody really knows yet. I think it'll start to kind of trickle out and about, you know, what had happened with Alabama. Because I thought it was strange, Eddie. I, I asked him about Alabama, the towel, and it was like he really didn't want to talk about that. Yeah, stuff. it wasn't a place that he wanted to go. And I asked his dad about it, and he really didn't want to talk about it. And I don't know. I mean, wh- what do you think that means, Josh? I think that means exactly what you think it means. I think Alabama, it's not so much that you know, people are going to say, oh, well, he would have chosen Alabama. I don't know that. I think any kid wants to have that option available to themselves. I don't mean just Alabama. Just every option they can have, they want to have. And I think at the end of the day, Alabama probably wasn't an option for Jacob. I, I think that was what ended up transpiring. I think he figured it out. And we... We've talked about it for a while, but, you know, it's something, guys, and we talked about it last week on the podcast with all these uncommittable offers. Until the rubber meets the road, the kid doesn't have to know. The coaches don't have to clarify that, and it sounds like Alabama never bothered to clarify it anyway. They just kind of, like we said, they just kind of walked away from it. Yeah, that's one of the big shady things about these uncommittable offers is they don't tell these kids they're uncommittable offers. What they do is they offer them, giving the kid the full expectation that the, that the kid can commit. I'm sure they did at the time when they offered Jacob, but when they get to the point of no return where they don't they can't take any more kids of that position or whatever, they don't they don't tell the player very often. They just kind of stop communicating, kind of let that go naturally. And it's it's not I mean it's kind of it's BS for the kid. Let's be honest. It's mind blowing to me that Alabama can just walk away from a kid that's like true. Jacob Phillips. Mind blowing. Yeah. It, it really is. It, it kind of shows just where Alabama is right now in their recruiting and uh, just program. I mean, he's the equivalent of a, a first-round draft pick in the NFL for colleges. <laughs> he really is. It's like if the NFL said, ah, we got these two picks, but we really don't need that other one. Let's just get rid of it. OU is already having a great year, and Phillips is now their highest-ranked commit. I mean, it's unbelievable that Alabama can say, eh, 37th player in the country. I think we're Phil. Well, we talked about that a few weeks ago, guys. I mean, they literally have five five-star inside linebackers on their roster. Like that tells. I mean, this is the highest-ranked OU guy, guy at inside linebacker OU's landed, and I, 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 I mean, we're going back previous to Curtis Lofton. I mean, we're going back a long way, and I, mean, I think Zach Latimer would be the guy actually. No, he was a top uh, one hundred guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, you're going back miles, and. For him to be that guy, an Alabama situation is so good at that position. 
that they don't even need him. I mean, he's the best commitment, number three class in the country, and Alabama very likely passed on it. It's a lot like, I'm guessing, how uh, programs that were pursuing Kennedy Brooks felt after he commits to Oklahoma, and you see a bunch of Oklahoma fans saying, oh, he's not even in the 250, he's barely a four-star. And there's probably a bunch of programs like Arkansas off, that offered Brooks and are thinking, are you kidding me? I'd love to have that kit. So it's just kind of about scale and perspective there. It Look, it's a little bit of luck, but it's a lot of work that ends up landing Oklahoma Jacob Phillips. Oh, yeah. uh, it, it, it's a huge day for the one and only Tim Kish. I mean, Tim Kish. We did... Didn't we say that we should allow him to come on this podcast and give everybody double guns up? Yeah, we I think so. Do it yep. If he signed Jacob Open Phillips. invitation, Tim. So, yeah, Tim, you want to come on anytime. It's your welcome <laughs> to just tell all the people on the Crimson Corner that rip you, suck it. Yeah, we'll get rid of the language restrictions. He can go full cusser. He could go full cusser. Yeah. I am, I am totally down with that. Suck on it, Trebek. He can tell him whatever he wants. So, uh, I did talk to... And, and, Look, here's how I'm going to start. We're going to start out by giving Tim Kish full credit. Uh, and I talked to uh, Coach Waite at, uh, at, at East Nashville. I talked to his father. And people say, why do you guys drive 20 hours to go talk to a kid for 30 minutes? Well, first off, because we can. Because we are that powerful. Because we can do it. We're not bloggers that you know have to get our, you know, the day off of our job. We do this. This is our job, Russell yep. Westbrook. We do this, so we did it. And but I'll tell you, the benefit and it was worth it. The benefit it was worth it. And I told you this coming back, like if if we drove twenty hours to do something, like I feel like we got our twenty hours of drive time with. We got to talk to the kid. We got to see. You know, him make his announcement. We got to meet his family. I got to talk to his coach. Got to talk to his dad. Uh, everybody's in a great mood. So there's never a better time to interview people. And I'm going to write a whole write up on this deal. But uh, yeah, we are able to get a perspective from this that nobody else has. And for instance, uh, talking to his dad, like when, he, when Jacob Phillips calls us and says, it might be worth your while to come down. That had to have been, what time was that on Monday night? Uh, I didn't. Was it late when you guys first heard this? I didn't find out till Tuesday. Yeah, it was Tuesday, Tuesday morning, morning, I think. Yeah, Tuesday okay. is when I found out. So I asked his dad, like, you know, when did you guys, you know, how did this kind of come about? When did you know that this was going to be the decision? And here's uh, Derek Phillips, Jacob Phillips' father. To be honest, we didn't know what he was going to do until the 11th hour. Really? You know, I've been asking him for eight months, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know? He's like, well, let me take my officials, and then I'll decide. And even up to last week, we didn't know. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, well, let me throw this. I mean, like, okay, I'm sitting around. We, we went to OU's practice last night. I'm talking to Baker Mayfield, and Josh is calling me, and our other guys are calling me. They're saying, hey, Jacob says if we come down there, it might not be wa- you know, a waste of our time. <laughs> and so we're like, okay, well, we got to go down there. So we got in the car, yeah. drove 10 yeah. hours, and we're yeah. like... This kid better pick Oklahoma. <laughs> I mean, was it was it kind of around yesterday when it all really solidified for him? Well, well, I think more like eleven to twelve last night. We we were up. He he had taken Monday off from school because he you know he was still at at odds with a few schools and um, he really didn't know. Yeah. And he prayed about it, you know. And uh, thing about Jacob. He's gotten a lot of his prayers answered. You know, and uh, 
All I can say is he prayed to God about it, and, and God put it on his heart to pick Oklahoma. So, yeah. you know, and I went with that. Yeah. You know, I went with that. You can't, you, you can't, you can't go against God. Yeah. You know, not as, <laughs> not as a man who believes. Yeah. You know. So uh, it, it it I guess about 11, 12 last night yeah. is when uh, it finally came came to uh, came to him to make that decision. So you think about all the stuff that this kid's gone through, and uh, yeah, we were talking about before we got on the air. I was, I always see like Anthony Hines tweeting on Twitter, and I'm just like, this is this has got to be in the modern history of recruiting. Like Anthony Hines has to be the guy that has has done the recruiting game more than anyone else in the history of the world. Like he's been visiting schools since he was a sophomore, like going on massive tours across. Like he's been. How many times has he been to every school in the Big 12? Has he been to every school in the Big 12? I mean, in the in the South part, at least twice, Josh? I would say that's probably right. I mean, I know he's been to Texas numerous times. He's been to OU probably at least half a dozen times. I mean, you, you, you go down the list. He's, uh, he's seen, you know, and th- that's what we talk about. I mean, he's been around. He knows he knows the lay of the land. And, and you think to yourself, like, how does he not know? And that kind of, you know, it's kind of the way with Jacob. I mean, it's like he's been recruited since he was a sophomore by Oklahoma, but it really came down to one day of really taking off of school and sitting down and thinking about it and then picking Oklahoma. It's, it's At some point in this process, you just have to make a decision. Yeah, that's a great look into their mind because they're just enjoying the ride, I guess, for the most part, just taking it all in. And they're just—it's almost like procrastinating. It's something you do with a paper. I'm going to make that decision. It's down all the road. fun and games until you realize, okay, I'm going to announce this publicly. Exactly. The night before the papers do, you got to write it all at once. He's got to figure out all of these things uh, the night before. And you know, I think Anthony Hines is just like the kid that stayed at the party too long. You know, everybody else is kind of like, oh, we had our fun, we're, we're leaving, and he's like, no, nah, I'm hanging out, man, here by myself. <laughs> Give me another beer. That's what Anthony Hines is doing. I'm just glad Joe didn't use a relationship analogy. Oh, I'm moving on. I'm Those ba- people usually get arrested too, by the way. They do, don't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I mean, essentially, the night before, 11 or 12 o'clock, I'm sure after all, all the Alabama stuff shakes out, he realizes it's Oklahoma. That's that's where I want to be. And uh, we talked to his coach as well uh, just about what it was that OU did that ultimately won Jacob Phillips. How do you think Oklahoma sold him? I, I think Oklahoma sold him by outstanding recruiting. Uh, I think Coach Kish, Kish did a great job uh, with Jacob. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and you would have to ask his family a little bit more so than myself. Yeah. But I think being there on him the whole time, yeah. um, they, they did their due, due diligence. Yeah. Shock on it, Trebek. There you go, Tim Kish. That one's for you. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, Josh. Yeah, ultimately, you know, when he left on his official visit, I know you were talking a lot about things are looking really good. You would be surprised maybe if a, a commitment didn't happen, and it's it's almost like he went through this little month kind of flirting around, and he came back to where he was after his OU visit. Yeah, it's a lot like you know. I was talking on the board today. We wrote that story, kind of, of you know, what's next for Oklahoma now that Phillips has committed. We're looking at what what's still there. And somebody asked me, um, you know, Josh, what if what if OU loses four scholarships? And I mean, do they have four that open up? I said, well, yeah, but we're projecting that. You're working toward that. That's what it's like when you're trying to decide these. You know, like people ask you, where do you think Jacob Phillips is going to go, or what do you think Marvin Wilson's going to do? 
it's not that Jacob Phillips knew what he was going to do six months ago. I don't believe that. But at the same time, when I look at it and the things that make sense, you know, he's got the best relationship with Tim Kish. He said that repeatedly. You go down the list and you kind of look at all the things that he were, that were important to him. And that's something I always ask kids. When you look at it, one of those two or three things are going to be really important to you when it comes time to decide. And you talk, you know, and they'll usually give you a very honest response. Well, start looking at it. You know, does that add up for OU? Does that add up for Tennessee or Alabama or whoever they're looking at? And then you can start to get a picture. Now, obviously, that's not always going to be right because, I mean, sometimes the things that in your head or scientifically make sense, they don't add up when it comes to recruiting because, I mean, it's sometimes it's just a pure emotional gut reaction. You can't project those kind of things. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's what this is, is you're not always saying, yeah, Jacob Phillips told me he's going to Oklahoma. It's just saying this is what makes the most sense. If I had to pick today, that's what I would expect. By the way, here's some more suck it from Tim Kish. Tell me about just the, I know we've talked about it a lot, but Coach Kish, Coach Stoops, Coach Bob Stoops, what they meant throughout this recruitment. I meant a whole lot. Uh, having a relationship as close as I do with Coach Kish and uh, Coach Stoops, uh, that's kind of the X factor in the most of the uh, – like most of the decision I made, but uh, you know, getting to tell them that I'm gonna be Oklahoma sooner yesterday, uh, it just really brought a, a big smile to my face. How final is this decision for you? Oh yeah, it's 100% final. Suck on it, Trebek. So you know, yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, I've heard this said before: recruiting is all about relationships, and OU developed the best relationship with the kid. When I, when I was out there in uh, for the summer. And I was talking to the assistant coaches, and I said, all right, what, what coaches have kind of come through here? Uh, one of the assistant coaches immediately said Tim Kish, and I've told this story on the board lots of times, but that Tim Kish came not only to practice, not only shook the hand and met every coach, but he went to every single player on that team and shook their hand and introduced himself. And that's something that kind of resonated with the coaches. And I said, all right, well, who's come up here from Alabama? And they said, oh, Lane Kiffin. Didn't expand. Wow, Lane Kiffin. Yeah, didn't expand on it. it. You know, he didn't say anything bad about Lane Kiffin, just kind of said that. And you got the impression that – it was, the, it was the type of atmosphere and group that responded more to a guy like Tim Kish who was just going to come in and be a nice guy, come, come introduce himself to everybody over someone like Lane Kiffin who might just show up um, thinking, bringing the Alabama brand, the Lane Kiffin brand, and thinking that's going to impress people. Lane Kiffin probably had a girlfriend in Nashville he wanted to go see. Wow. I say that with a lot of respect to Lane Kiffin, too, because that's... Opinions that's, expressed by Eddie Radosevich are not those of Soonerscoop.com. <laughs> Direct all lawyer inquiries to CubsFanEd at Yahoo.com. I, hey, I, I applaud him for that, too. Uh, moving on. Jacob Phillips. It was really interesting being there, Eddie, because you got to see, like, other players from other schools were coming to his announcement. Mm-hmm. And, and we've kind of talking to Woody Womack. We kind of got the lay of the land a little bit about, because we all know this is, and Josh, we see this kind of happening in Dallas a little bit when you have, uh, I don't want to call them hangers on, and I don't want to call them street agents, but you have a collective that's developing of a group of players and their trainers. And uh, I mean, like JD does that, but I wouldn't necessarily call it what it's, what he's doing anything nefarious or you know. Yeah. Uh, he's just training a bunch of kids. Uh, they all kind of are in his group. They they kind of they become this this kind of team almost, and that goes on in Atlanta too. In it's like Jacob Phillips is kind of part of that, and and we see it all happen. And you have all these teams now coming in, just like I've seen it happen with JD. Like it's it's more on the Wyoming and 
uh, you know, teams come in and they they kind of see that this is a something that's going on in this area. This is this is if there's one kid here, there's probably another kid here. And if you offer this kid and you offer these other kids, it looks good. And so I think people are figuring that out about SEC areas as well. I mean, does that Josh, does that am I making any sense? Can you expand on that any? Yeah, no, that makes complete sense because it, it's just something where, especially when you get kids that are coming from far away. You mentioned uh, Wyoming with Oklahoma. Well, they had like five guys recruiting in the state of Oklahoma over the last week because they've got guys like Garrett Chan or Chandler Garrett, and you go down that list. And Memphis, and you can include Memphis now because they've really exactly come that, into that's another great one because when a kid goes there, they're like, "Well, that's Memphis. That's a long way from home. I don't know." But if you've got seven guys that you either trained with or at least kind of knew, you know, friend of a friend sort of thing, that makes that transition easier. You can take Memphis more seriously, and that goes to Oklahoma or anywhere else. I mean, if you build those kind of relationships, it's not coincidental that Oklahoma keeps recruiting well in Fresno. Like, that's not an accident. That That's... Those guys know people. There's relationships. There's, it's a comfort level. Is it Coach Perry, the DB coach out there? That's exactly. kind of that guy. Yeah, yeah, Tony Perry. Yeah, and you you get that. And then to be honest, like you go back even uh, probably a better example of what you're talking about is San Diego with the Brennan Clay and Kenny Stills and Tony Jefferson deal. They yeah. got Brennan Clay, and that helped them reel in Tony Jefferson and Kenny Stills. And Oklahoma, you know, then went on to get like Taylor McNamara. I mean, they they done well in San Diego. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look down that list, and that they really, you know, over the last few years, you haven't seen the same impact in that area. But that's not, it's not coincidence, because these guys know each other, and it's easier to go somewhere when you're not on an island. You're not the only guy. You have some familiarity, and you get to know each other. And, you know, I think those guys that do that stuff, they know, like, the tale of the, who is it, Will Lyles? Was that the guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Baron Flinnery. I mean, those were the guys, like, and see, like, it's really funny, because... We were talking to Woody about Oregon's kind of hesitant about getting involved with this stuff, and it goes back to because they got involved with the wrong people. They got involved with Will Lyles, and so I'm sure their compliance department, their athletic department, is like, "This was really embarrassing for us. What happened with Will Lyles? Like, we don't want to be involved in this stuff anymore." And even though there may not be things going on that's that's bad or against NCAA rules or money changing hands and stuff like that, it's like we we kind of heard the tale from Woody about how Oregon's really being hurt because they're not getting involved in, you know, talking to these trainers and, and these kids and making multiple offers and stuff like that. So all that being said, this is a quite a minefield for people to kind of wade through these days. And getting kids out of the SEC country has become a little bit harder, but just like Memphis and Wyoming and all these schools, if you play the game, not not saying you're playing a, a, a dirty game, but if you learn how to how to maneuver yourself through these worlds, then you can have success. And I'm not really saying Oklahoma's playing the game, but to be able to go in and get Jacob Phillips that's involved in all this stuff that has so many connections and has so many ties, that's really, to me, a, a big win for them. And it shows that they can go in and keep doing this in the SEC. Yeah, even on his own team, there's a sophomore, Jayshon Watkins, who already has multiple SEC offers. Uh, and, you know, that's somebody that... Oklahoma, if they offered, he'll listen now. Yeah, uh, he wouldn't have listened before, probably. But now that Phillips is on the team, you got somebody that you have their ear. Um, I, I think I counted. There's nine different states Oklahoma has players from in this one class alone. 
I mean, think about how different that is when you go down the list of Texas's roster. I mean, there might be a handful of guys not from Texas on that roster. And it's something I've talked about with Ahmad Thomas and Will Johnson before about national guys on this team. And Will Johnson even said he's from Baltimore. He loves talking to all the guys on the team, figuring out where they're from, what's the culture like there, how they all kind of blend together. It's a different kind of atmosphere at Oklahoma than it is at some other schools. And you know what, Josh, going way back when, like you you look at what Cale Gundy and Kevin Sumlin were kind of doing in the Atlanta area when they brought in Duke Robinson. In uh, those cases, they kind of were, were starting to build towards that. And then Kevin Sumlin left, uh, and they kind of just stopped for a while it seemed like it's like almost it's almost like kale didn't have a partner to go in there with anymore and it just kind of fell apart for a while yeah i mean that and i thought joe touched on a good one too oh uh, you goes in and gets charles tapper a guy that probably didn't get his attention he deserved in baltimore a few years later they got will johnson you know i mean like there, there are there are these things and you look at the connection those guys worked with the same trainer you know the same guy yeah. Corey jones out of there uh dr jones isn't right Corey doesn't matter but, you know, that, that's kind of what you're talking about is you get these guys and you build these relationships. And Joe, that's a great point where he talks about, you know, the, the go, Jacob, Jacob, yeah, Jacob Phillips' teammate that would never, like, he'd have gotten the OU offer and then be like, ah, but there's no reference for it. There's no, this is important because, well, now it's important because Jacob plays there. You know, he's got that relationship. And I can call Jacob and see what he thinks about it out there and talk to him. I, and I think if you put True Serum and Jacob, when he got his offer two years ago, it was probably the same thing. He was not thinking, oh, man, I may go to Oklahoma. Like, I guarantee that that's just good recruiting by Oklahoma. They've worked hard. And now maybe, I mean, I don't want to say you don't have to work as hard, but you already have an in. You have a built-in relationship. You don't have to cultivate that. That kid has seen Tim Kish. He knows him. And then he can bring, you know, whoever the position coach is, to go and build, you know, to continue to build that relationship. I feel like we're we're giving a master class in recruiting right now. <laughs> it's like everybody's out there, oh, SEC, everybody says that. No, it's, it's it really is about so much more. I mean, it's it's it is there's these little inner workings, and it's why it's difficult for people in recruiting to to really figure some of this stuff out. And why staffs kind of that's why you need support staff anymore. That's why you need guys that can help you kind of traverse this stuff and let you know. It's just like social media. It's like coaches were so they were so lost when it came to social media. They had to have people come in and help them run their accounts and stuff. You need people to help you run recruiting now and, and the ever-changing landscape of it and how kids are not just interacting on social media, but how they're, how they're interacting. Because it's not just your high school coach. And I know coaches hate this stuff. But it, it, let's face it, it's one of those things they railed against. Like they railed against 7-on-7 seven seven when it first started blowing up because they didn't understand it. They didn't have the time to understand it. Now you really do need these staffs in place to kind of help you figure out what kids are into. It's just like with building these new facilities for Oklahoma. I think they made some mistakes in not including certain things like you see Clemson doing uh, with their facilities right now. Uh, it's just a, it's a, it's an ever-changing, ever-evolving world. And it can make your head spin if you don't keep on top of it. And if you're not, you're not winning. Yeah, you're just not winning. And you're, well, you're not you're not getting the recruits you need to get to win. And you're probably not coaching anymore, honestly. How do you mean? Like you're just so lazy, you're not doing anything. Or you're you've been fired, or teams have moved on oh, from yeah. from you. And I mean, you have to adapt in, in this day and age. Adapt or die. This is really nerdy. Uh, all of a sudden, recruiting has turned into like nerdy analytics, but socially. 
we can do it for one segment for this one what happens half of a podcast. When, this is what happens when you send Carrie out on the road. He learns too much. <laughs> Your mind has been broadened. I try to shield you from all this, Carrie. I really do. Just just give me the SE fans, the mouth breathers, just screaming SEC, and that's why everybody gets recruits. <laughs> that that's why. God, is there? A, speaking of the, to kind of get it back to a more, I guess more a, a something that fans can grab onto. There is one Big Twelve team other than Oklahoma in the top thirty in the rankings. I think I know. I think it was Eddie that shot this stat out the other day. Does can Carrie or Joe? Can you tell me who that other team is? The, the another team. I, and this has been brought there's, up so much. I can't two believe twelve teams in the top thirty in the rivals team ranking. This has been brought just, up so much. I, I can't believe I just I haven't cheated looked it and yet. looked, and it's amazing. I, I, is it? Is West, it? Is it West Virginia? I'm going to say Kansas no. just because that seems so improbable. No. Texas Tech. Almost. Iowa State. Holy canal. Yeah, because they've got a brand new young staff in there. It's because they got a Norman yep. North product, Charlie Kolar committed. That's why. 19 commits for Iowa State right now. They're, they're ranked 28th in the Rivals.com what rankings. What is Texas right now? Texas, well, um, we can, I can give you the ones going back. Oklahoma State's 33. West Virginia's 42. Oh, God, Texas. I keep scrolling down. Texas Tech is 55. And there's the Longhorns. Eight commits right now in the uh, 2017 class and uh, ranked number 60. Smack dab in between uh, Wake Forest and East Carolina. Texas San Antonio has edged them. They're, uh, they're number 57 right now, them and Army. <laughs> this is a huge problem. I mean, I'm not, this isn't a, a te- Texas problem. fans it's would a tell you, though, problem. Texas fans would tell you, though, that Charlie closes strong. Uh, well, they would use the pun strong. when they tell you things. Yeah. And, uh, and they're going to get guys at the end. But, my God, I did not realize that it's that bad. How different is that from the years when their junior day, they'd basically wrap up their entire class? I mean, that wasn't too long ago, was it? It was seven years ago they were doing stuff like that. That's really bad for this conference. Kansas I mean, right now is 70th. That's 10 spots below Look, it's, Texas. It's okay when, you know, it was okay when TCU was like in the 80s and Kansas State was in the 80s because you knew that they were well coached. That's how they survived. Yeah, and they were going to find some, some diamonds in the rough. That was how they ran their programs. But when every team is in the 50s, that's a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah. Is it is it more surprising that Texas is currently 60th in the country in recruiting or that 16 of Oklahoma's 22 commits are four stars? Here's a here's something I'd like to figure out, Josh, like how many Texas down linemen are in the Rivals 250? I don't know if that's mm. a we we should probably have a better database than we have where we could just look that up really fast. Joe yeah, is I mean, Joe is I've just given Joe like a wet dream right now. He is like scrambling. Oh my god, oh, it's stats. It. Oh, he yeah. wants stats. Why did he tell me this before the show started? I'm on it. We Don't worry. Pull that up fairly quickly. So defensive down lineman or just down Defensive down lineman, okay. yeah. I'm just saying, I mean that to me that's been pointed out this past <clears throat> couple of weeks about yeah, how bad it is in Texas these well, you've days. Gary Carson and Marvin Wilson are kind of the two headliners. They're top fifty guys in the country, obviously. Um, Caleb on Shashan. Kind of go off the top of my head. Caleb on Shashan's a three star. I mean, he's not oh, a yeah, five linebacker. Right. So I mean, you know, like you're. I get. 
I would be shocked if it's more than six. But, I mean, that's the thing watching this conference this year that just struck. And you know what? Oklahoma State, on paper, it looks like they have they should have one of the best down lines in the country. And they're struggling this year. Uh, but name me one school that you look at their defensive line and say, yeah, they're pretty good. I mean, OU, when they're healthy and they've got Charles Walker and Matt Romar, I think OU fans think that. But I don't know what people outside of Oklahoma are like, oh, yeah, I know their defensive linemen. They're really good. Well, yeah, it's a solid group, but it's not somebody like they're special. You know, that, yeah. that's that's that, you know, Dvorak and Tommy Harris, like that kind of crew. No, yeah. there's nothing like that. And it's not getting any better. I mean, with this recruiting that we're seeing, we're gonna. It's it's just getting more and more into basketball on grass. I don't know how you turn that around either. I, it just doesn't seem like there's an easy fix for any school right now. And you know, well, I mean, here's the thing that. I think is the most pressing part about it is you have to go outside of Texas to improve your situation. Yeah. If you're everybody, Oklahoma does. Texas Tech has to. Texas has to. Texas has to. I mean, whoever thought that Texas needed to rely on outside states to get good defensive tackles? Where's Texas? I mean, I guess they're in on a lot of guys and it just it's it's striking to me that they're I didn't realize that it was so bad that they were 60th right now where are they in on a lot of guys that they're going to end up getting and it's going to be okay in the state of Texas or like you said Carrie are they going to have to end up going outside of the state why well, I, I, Josh I don't think Charlie Strong's afraid of going out and say in, in fact I think he maybe prefers he it. prefers it a little bit uh just because I think he realizes, unlike Mac did, that like Mac. Let's face it, Mac's thing was he controlled the borders. He loved, uh, you know, whining and dining the high school coaches. He loved coming in there, like his character on Friday Night mm-hmm. Lights, where you know he told everybody what to do and they looked up to him like yeah. he was a god. Like he made his own little fiefdom. Is that the right way of putting it in in Texas? And I, I don't think Charlie. Did. I don't think Charlie Strong looks at it that way. No, no. I mean. Because you guys remember, even within like months of Charlie Strong being hired, there were Texas Coaches Associations, like board members, that uh, excuse me, the High School Coaches Association, that were very upset that he didn't give them the same amount of time. You know, when Mac would go to that their annual convention, he'd spend all day glad handing and talking to people. And I think Strong came for like an hour, gave some very mundane comments, and then just left. And I think there was a lot of people that felt like, oh, he's not doing what he needs to. And let's face it, Art Bryles played that game with those guys, and they loved him for it. Oh, well, Art's one of them. I mean, they saw him as he was one of the gang. So there was never, you know, and I think that's why. And that helped Baylor. I mean, it did. No question. No question. Um, But the, the thing that always sticks out to me, you go back to when Texas won the national championship in 2005, what was the first thing Mac Brown said? I want to thank all the Texas high school coaches out there yeah. for trusting us. And, you know, like, he knew how to play that game with Texas high school coaches because those guys, I don't, you can say Florida high schools are better or California or whatever. There is no state that their high school coaches are more revered than they are in the state of Texas. I mean, those guys are legends if they're really good. And I don't think there's any other state that takes it that seriously. Okay, you guys ready for the number of defensive, defensive linemen? linemen? Yeah. Uh, from Texas and the Rivals 250. Yes. What did you guess, Josh? What did I hear? Six, I think? I would I would say a normal over-under for any year would have to be eight. 
two. Wow. So it's the it's the two that everybody knows. Marvin Wilson and Lagarion Carson. That's what you got. Well, That's not good. I mean that, that can't build a conference. I mean, o- the state of Oklahoma has one Isaiah Thomas Tulsa Memorial. I mean that that's incredible. And I, I think I, I talked to Mike Stoops about that once. It's hard to go into Texas to get defensive down linemen, get offensive linemen, get guys that can run the football. And he said that's just the way the game's moving. It's just the the way it is. It's basketball and turf. And uh, I, I think that's a great point you all are making that Texas is not – you can't live and die in Texas anymore. You just can't do it. It's not, it's not the way recruiting works anymore. It's not the style. Uh, they play one style of football in Texas, and it doesn't produce – enough people to go around the way it used to. Who is Oklahoma's best young defensive lineman right now? And where is he from? Neville Gallimore. from Canada. He's from Canada. He's from frickin' Canada. <laughs> not Texas. Not California. Not Louisiana that produces him. He's from frickin' Canada. That tells you all you need to know right there. Eddie's searching for his hard drive is booting up. Just, I got nothing. Just disgusted. I am disgusted. I, it I, does, I, you know what, Josh? It does. It makes a lot of sense because when we go to rivals camps now, it really is like almost a barren wasteland when they go the one on ones with OLDL. offensive linemen, defensive linemen. I mean, there's a few matchups you want to see, but mostly it's guys you've never heard of, and you're just sitting there going, "I think maybe he could play somewhere." Yeah. Or it's like, oh, that dude looks pretty crazy. What hair? Oh, yeah. I mean, there'll be five or six guys that you're like, oh, yeah, you, you ride home about that guy, you know, the Austin Deculus kid. But even he, when he went up against Marvin, he faced somebody real, he just got massacred. Like, yeah. it wasn't even close. And that's, you know, I've talked about this stuff for years. When you put so much priority on seven on seven, I can't blame the high school coaches that when they go to Friday nights during the season, they're going to run these crazy pass-happy offenses that have nothing to do with line play. I mean, so just, it, it just devalues the whole position. It, it's happening in Oklahoma, too. I mean, you look at Norman North, who's the number three team in 6A1, and they're not doing it with anybody on offense that's going to be a huge D1 guy. I mean, Charlie Kolark from Iowa State's probably their best guy. Uh, but they're doing it through that spread offense. They're doing it through getting it out quickly. That And that's what these teams are going to. And I, I, I've probably seen Bray Walker out of Southmore three or four times. And I don't know if I've ever seen a defensive lineman even come close to giving him a challenge. I almost don't know what Bray Walker is yet because there's no defensive lineman that's going to give him a, uh, a, a day at the office. Uh, I mean, I, I just I don't know. I don't see the guys in the trenches that, uh, that were there before. Well, it's almost gotten to the point, Josh, where anytime we see a guy that is big, that looks that isn't just fat and has a decent body. I know that sounds weird, but I'm going to say it. Uh, such as a Devontae Lampkin, such as a Chris Daniels. I mean, it's almost like we're just like, oh, yeah, that kid can play. He's got it. And everybody's got to offer those kids, regardless of if they're legitimate, high-caliber players at that position. You just have to offer those kids now. Oh, you do. I mean, and it's the same for me when I'm going through and I see some sophomore on tape, and it's, it's always exactly what you said, Kerry. You'll see him and you say, Okay, he's got a he's got you know he's six four and he's two fifty five. He's got a nice frame. Well, How about we say that? Really play, yeah. but let's go. You know, like we're going to add him to the database. Just and you take your chances. Take a flyer. Yeah. You take your chances and hope that you can coach him up and get him in a strength training program and like he could develop some of the strength and power that he doesn't have on film right now. I mean, Oklahoma has a player on their team now, Jordan Wade. When he came into Oklahoma, 
He came with Marquise Anderson. They were both rivals 250 defensive linemen out of Texas. They also came with Jordan Phillips, who was you know defensive lineman out of uh, Kansas. Tonkawa. Yeah, th- th- we're not that far removed from Oklahoma being able to get big defensive linemen in the area. But, but what do you do? I mean, what do you do if you're recruiting Marvin Wilson? Do you give him that list? You say, "There's only two of you guys in this entire state. Uh, these other schools in the Big Twelve, forget about them." Oklahoma's the only school you have a chance to play with a successful teammate with. Somehow you put I that. Do. Go ahead, Josh. Well, I do that, and I also, you just, because you know, if you're talking about the Big 12, his only other viable option is Texas. Right. And I'm going to show, look at all these elite guys that Texas has landed that have done nothing. Sure, maybe we haven't had a Gerald McCoy in, you know, in a decade or whatever, but at the same time, Jordan Phillips is a second-round pick. I mean, we've had some guys that had some production. You've got guy after guy that's gone to Texas. It's even worse on the offensive line. Texas's development of offensive linemen has been just borderline criminal. Okay. Um, go so, ahead. No, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, no, you finish because I wanted I wanted to pivot no. to something else before we get out of here. Yeah, it, it, it just that's the way I would pitch that if you feel like Texas is your primary concern. I'm going to show all these guys, all these elite guys that were supposed to be, you know, maybe not just as good as you are, Marvin, but guys that are on that level have done nothing. And, you know, there are at least a few skins on Oklahoma's wall over the last five or six years. Before you present all that to uh, Marvin, or to Marvin, it probably should be before you give him the suitcase of money. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the bag man? Uh, I can't tell you. Okay. Um, Eddie's just like the show derailer today. <laughs> um, okay, before we move on, and we're running out of time here, I wanted to get back to Jacob Phillips, uh, just because we spent all that time driving there and back. Uh, but you know, we talk so much about Sooner Squad Seventeen, and it's you know, Eddie, it was really interesting just kind of watching guys go after Greg Rogers last night. Yeah, on Twitter after it's like. They've done a really good job of trying to build momentum. Like something happens, they build momentum to something else. Yeah. This happens, they build. So they used Jacob Phillips yesterday to kind of, I'm talking about the kids themselves, and maybe, you know, maybe you have a coach saying, hey, it might be not a bad thing if you guys started going after Greg Rogers after what Jacob said today. Uh, but, you know, we asked Jacob after the game kind of what his role was going to be moving forward uh, in recruiting now that he has announced uh, he's committed to Oklahoma, and here's Jacob. You look at what your role is now going forward. I mean, there's still some big targets on the board out there that Oklahoma's chasing. Do you want to be a guy that becomes a recruiter? Are you a you going to finish every tweet with hashtag Sooner Squad 17 now? Uh, uh, yes, sir. Uh, definitely. I'm, I'm definitely going to embrace all the things about uh, Oklahoma and Sooner Squad 17. And you know, I'm going to try and get the best dudes in there. Uh, I, I know we want Marvin Wilson so uh, and Greg Rogers, so yeah, we want him. I want them in front of me, playing in front of me. So. Now, I asked his, his coach as well, Coach Waite, uh, kind of, how much this this class having a number three class in the country meant uh, coming down the stretch? Because you know, we talked about it early in the podcast. It was a, a gut wrenching decision for him to come to. Uh, it ended up, you know, several factors made Oklahoma the choice. And uh, his coach said, "Yeah, I mean, having a, a, a top rated recruiting class, guys he could come in, in with." Definitely played a part in his decision. Now we know Alabama is going to have some yeah. great outstanding guys, uh, but he felt like he would make an impact at Oklahoma. He felt like he would be able to come in, produce, and the guys that were coming in were going to be able to do the same thing. So they feel like they're going to be able to accomplish something great and special at Oklahoma with this class. 
and I'll say this, you know, we've talked so much about their failings over the last few years in recruiting. Uh, but Josh, I mean, the, the support staff that they put together, Drew Hill, uh, Rajiv Hossain, I mean, all these guys, uh, Kel Gundy, I mean, being the recruiting coordinator, even Bob Stoops heading this thing up. You have to give this staff a lot of credit for, as we talked about, building on the momentum. They've had something to sell. They've sold it a little bit of a time. Ever since this new staff got in here with Cooks and, and, and Lincoln Riley and Dennis Simmons, uh, Calvin Thibodeau even now part of it, they've been working their asses off in recruiting. And, and I predict, I'm not going to lie, I said, I told people, calm down two years ago uh, before they even went to the college football playoff when we saw them out at summer camps. These guys are, are hustlers. They're going to recruit. They're going to get classes that Oklahoma needs. And, Josh, it's starting to prove out now. Yeah, you know, and maybe we're both egomaniacs because you, as you were saying that, Kerry, that was the same thought I had. Is we said this a year or so ago. Like, I know that maybe the results don't look right yet. It's not, you know, the top ten class everybody wants uh, as far as OU fans and obviously the coaches as well. But when you were watching things and you were talking to these kids, you got a different feel. You knew something had changed. I, the thing that always sticks out to me is for years and years, I would have kids that, you know, that were OU offers and I knew guys that OU wanted, and they'd say, yeah, I haven't heard from them in a couple of weeks. I can't think of the last time I had that conversation. Guys, they don't get dropped. There's nothing like that. I mean, there is, whether it's, you know, a crystal clear plan, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm not there. I'm not in the coaching offices every day. Or if it's just guys being diligent about we're going to stay on this kid. Every guy I talk, you know, all my guys, I'm going to talk to them. I don't know which one it falls under, but regardless, kids are being contacted, they're being made to feel important, and I think OU's dropped that whole mantra of, well, you know, if they want to, you know, I, I think Bob used to say it all the time, I don't know what he meant, but I think it became a crutch when he would say, well, we get the guys we're supposed to get. Well, that becomes self-defeating because, well, if, you, if they go somewhere else, it wasn't because you didn't do your job. You just They just weren't supposed to come here. And that ends up being just a easy fallback. We're like, oh, he didn't want to come. Well, that's not true. Another school just outworked you. And I think Oklahoma started to face that, and then they're they're doing better because of it. They're going out and really working, guys, and they have a plan B and C to every possible scenario. It's harsh to say this, but the mantra of we get the guys we're supposed to get means you end up with a bunch of two and three stars that work really hard but just aren't good enough on the field. That's where you saw Mac fall off. We talked about Mac earlier and all how great he was in recruiting. Those last two or three years, like Joe talked about, he would get all his commitments at junior day. Well, that left no room for evaluations. That left no room for a senior that made a big jump. You know, a perfect example is Jeremy Beal. Texas was full, and then Jeremy Beal has a huge senior season at Carrollton Creek View, and Oklahoma had room for him. Texas didn't. Guy goes on to be an all-Big 12 player, and I think was – maybe even all Big 12 defensive player of the year one year. Like, I mean, there, no, he there was, was – Yeah, so, I mean, there, that, that kind of can become crippling when you just keep taking the low-hanging fruit. Like, you're going to have to reach for things, and when fans get upset about guys like Jalen Rager or C.D. Lamb or whoever taking trips, that's part of the equation, too. You're going to have to work, even when they're committed, don't treat them like a commitment. You're going to have to keep hunting these guys. Because that story's not over until they sign. Well, uh, you know, I think the last thing I want to talk about on, on Phillips is just talking to his coach. And, I mean, certainly we have enough tape to interview him, but it's always good hearing from 
your your head high school coach and uh, exactly what Oklahoma can expect in a guy that he's been coaching uh, for the last two and a half years. So here's uh, Coach Waite, the high school coach at East, East Nashville, talking about what Oklahoma's getting in uh, Jacob Phillips. He, I mean, just as a player, I mean, obviously Oklahoma's had some good inside linebackers, but they haven't signed a kid of this magnitude in, in the last several years. What, what does he bring just that you you don't see on your own basis from inside linebackers? He's going to bring a ton of energy to this uh, to Oklahoma. Uh, he's going to bring energy, enthusiasm, uh Charisma, a leader, a natural born leader. He's a proficient tackler, but he's so athletic in space. And that's one of the things you don't find often. Yeah. That's why he's such a hot commodity for all the institutions that were after him. Uh, he has so so much length and range. Um, I've seen his athleticism just grow exponentially over yeah. the last two seasons. So Oklahoma's getting a, a, a steal with this guy. And you know, it was interesting, Eddie, talking to Jacob after everything broke down because you're kind of just kind of shooting the, the bull with him a little bit. Uh, but he was basically, it's amazing to me when we follow it on the inside, when we know Oklahoma's deficient in so many areas and they, areas and they don't have backups here. One of the things that Oklahoma, and they, they do a good job, a better job of fighting this than they used to, but every school that comes in, like Oklahoma still has this 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 aura about them. And people were literally trying to sell Jacob Phillips on, well, you don't need to go to Oklahoma. They have a ton of inside linebackers that are just yeah. waiting to play. <laughs> and and he actually did enough of the research to know, like, well, no, they don't. They just actually lost a guy in there. And I said, yeah, they, they put in a 215-pound guy, so they must really have a shed full of inside linebackers. It, it made me really feel like I could be a, a college recruiter because you just got to <laughs> you just feed a bunch of BS, kind of tell them what you, they want to hear, and then yeah. – uh, you don't really have to give them facts. You just kind of, well, they have plenty of linebackers. It's Oklahoma. Yeah. And when actually it's it sounds like really not true. They had one just retire. It sounds like it was Oregon that was giving them that pitch, too. Yeah. Just and reading between the lines. Well, and, and that's the reason why I think Mark Helfrick is just an abomination of a college football coach. <laughs> I mean, to just run a, a once proud program into the ground like Helfrick has in uh, Eugene is almost criminal. But, but here's my question, Josh. Like, what is Oregon doing relying on kids from the Southeast? Like, yeah. that's so far out of their comfort zone. That's what we, and that's something we talked about on the way home yesterday. I mean, it just seems like Oregon is a mess. Like, they've convinced themselves that they can do anything and that the only way that I know what, what happens. I mean, they lost to Auburn in the national championship, and every one of their boosters and donors, and maybe even Pat Knight himself, is like, we need to get kids from that area of the country to, to really win a championship. When you don't, I mean, you you can do it with every kid that's on the West Coast. I mean, Chris Peterson is showing that now. I think yeah. Washington is just as good as any team in the country, and they're better than you know thirteenth, fourteenth of the SEC right now. How many kids did Pete Carroll get from SEC country? Yeah, and they dominated college football for better half of a decade. I I don't know how much you paid attention to that, Josh, or or, or that, but that was kind of brought to light talking to Woody. But that's just insane to me that Oregon is concerned with getting kids from the Southeast. Well, you know, I think what part of it is, and, you know, Woody would know better than myself, but I felt like Oregon always did a really good job charity picking. They would get a couple guys. You know, they they took a defensive end out of Arlington a couple years ago from Oklahoma. You know, so they've, they've done a nice job going places, but you're right. There's a difference between, like, Oklahoma going into California and picking 10 or 12 guys they think they got a shot with 
and maybe seven of them visit. You know, so they they, they kind of narrow that field. But if they go into California and offer fifty guys, and half of those guys are their, you know, one A or one B options at a position, you're you're going to be in trouble come January. You just can't live like that. That that's not going to be the way Oklahoma's going to recruit because, like you mentioned. You've got Oregon, you've got Washington, you've got USC, Cal, Stanford. I mean, there's a lot of quality options out there. So Oklahoma's got to identify guys that fit them and that there is a reason to think they would choose Oklahoma. Not just every elite guy in California we're going to offer. It's the same thing for Oregon. They used to kind of pick guys and they would pick battles that they could win. You know, go into Tennessee when Tennessee is down. Okay, we can win that battle. Go into, you know, Alabama when Auburn and Alabama are both kind of scuffling along. They could do that. But now you're seeing them go into, like, you know, Tallahassee proper and try to beat Florida State for a kid. That's never going to happen. Like, why are you wasting your time doing that? And I think that's where you get into the problem is you get so full of, well, we did it a few times. Let's, Let's go ahead and expand on that. And then you start losing sight of what your plan and what your model was. All right. The thing I really want to just point out with that last bit of audio was and just to wrap this up is, I mean, it's amazing for Oklahoma and Oklahoma fans that they're able to get a guy like Jacob Phillips. It's been so much hand-wringing on the message boards, especially that Tim Kish has finished second so many times on inside linebacker guys. And we were kind of, Josh, we were kind of plotting this out as we were driving back yesterday, like all the kids that Oklahoma has gotten, but, you know, at linebacker that have been big recruits, but most of those have been outside guys. I mean, it's just... To have an inside guy that this that's this highly rated, and look, you can argue, well, Kish needed the rest of the class. He couldn't close it by himself or whatever. Fine. But he did it. And you have to give the guy credit. And if this kid doesn't pan out, it's not really Tim Kish's fault because everybody wanted this guy. If you still want to bitch about Tim Kish uh, here, I guess, after getting Jacob Phillips, there is a 100% chance you complain after OU wins football games. Well, yeah, but that happens. We know it happens. I know. I'm just, I'm just looking at that that area of people. The timing of this commitment couldn't have been better. I mean, just morale wise. I mean, Jordan Evans is already a senior. He's going to leave. Yeah. But then Tay Evans retires. I mean, and you're looking at a JUCO guy who's filling in there now. And, and by the way, we're ignoring the fact that OU started out one and three and hasn't lost a single commitment so far. One and two. One and two. Sorry, Bob Stoops did there. They're yeah. they're uh, they're over five hundred now. Three and two. I think we talked. But it does. I mean, Joe and Josh. I mean, you're the best to talk about this. It does. I don't even know if stabilize is the right word, but it seems like they've moved past this now. Well, it took away the excuse. I feel like if, if you create an excuse for guys to leave, they might take it. If you start out one and three, if you if you get three losses, four losses, people are going to have an excuse to leave your program. People are going to start calling you saying, "Hey, are you are you starting to look around?" And then the question starts arising. They've they've kind of put that question down. And I think we talked about this on an earlier podcast. Where what, what can OU get out of this year? You know, a Big 12 championship, does that really excite people? What OU can get out of this year is holding down this recruiting class, which puts you in a cha- uh, position to win a championship a couple years down the road. And it doesn't appear that Texas is uh, holding down there into the, the recruiting fort. I mean, Oklahoma could dominate this conference for a few years if they, put, if they string together a couple classes like this. Do we want to talk about Mr. Boyce or is that taboo? I'll leave that up to Josh. I mean, we at least have we to acknowledge the fact that he I mean, he took yeah, Texas off of his his Twitter page. Out there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I that's mean, a public I mean, thing. He put some of it public. I mean, some of it's known, it, and it's just 
just like what we talked about with Jalen Rager a couple weeks ago when he took all the OU stuff off of his Twitter page. Like that, is it weird that, that we have to pay that kind of attention? Yeah, but that's the reality of kind of how this recruiting world works. And, you know, it's not just that. I, I did text Kobe, and I said, you know, you, you took the Texas stuff off your page. Uh, that's like a sign you might decommit. And he says, oh, no, I might, I'm not going to – I don't know if I'm going to decommit yet. You know, that this is not – this is a kid who's – Did he really say, I don't know yet? Uh, I'd have to look up the exact quote, but it was something to that effect. Like yeah. an argument in high fidelity. Yeah. It was it – was We some- haven't had sex yet. <laughs> <laughs> I love the reference. I mean, it's, it's – it's, I don't know. It's – going to happen and that's just my opinion but it's going to happen he's going to decommit from texas and it's just because things are not getting rosier in texas i mean no matter what charlie strong does the rest of the season the wind charlie strong firing debates are going to continue to rage in austin someone on the board when i posted this last night someone on the board said oh texas isn't going to lose any sleep over this and i thought someone had a great response of they only have like three or four commits they're going to lose sleep over it they're losing a quarter of their class if Boyce decommits i mean this is a sign of trouble for Texas. You know, I mean, look, I think that's all that needs to be said. I don't know. I mean, I know the family is kind of weird about what's going on right now. Probably a little defensive. But the other weird thing I saw, we're talking about, I hate I hate creating this, the Big 12 is a dumpster fire narrative, but. It's not a narrative. <laughs> that's that's not a narrative. It This is a, con- uh, a conference. But like, a did you see fire. like Baylor like put that 2020 offers today? It's like, why would you even bother? Like the entire staff that comes in next, like yeah, keep holding on to that hope that you're going to be around after this year. I guess like, the truth don't lie. It's not gonna. That staff is going to get blown out. Like if you get an offer from Baylor, just be like, hey, that's great. I wonder if the next staff will offer me. <laughs> Why are you wasting your time? I mean, you look at even Shane Bouchel, uh, Oklahoma looked like he might be the destination for them. They fired Josh Heupel. And they bring in Lincoln Riley, and Lincoln Riley basically, he didn't want Shane Bouchel. So yeah, and the same thing with Cameron Rising. I hate yeah. to say that. I hate you know people are gonna be like, don't say that about kids. But you know, there's a good chance that Lincoln Riley's gonna get a head coaching job somewhere. And whoever comes in, if that does happen, they're gonna reevaluate the entire position. They might not like Cameron Rising. They might love him. Who knows? They probably. I'm gonna go ahead and say that's categorically impossible. Yeah, I think to not love, love Cameron Rising. Uh, yeah, I don't care. Uh, you guys were traveling. I don't think you saw it. I put up a highlight video of him up on the board, and I put it out on Twitter, too. His last game, he had like almost 600 yards of offense. He has a seven-minute highlight from one game, and I'm not kidding you. I did see a comment about that. Yeah. on the tape. Like, it's amazing. Let's just be clear. I didn't see anything because even though he offered to drive, he never, like, really made a push. He was just like, Who you, you know, talking about? I could drive if you wanted to. Yeah, I could have. Otherwise, I'm just oh. going to sit here and watch videos on Twitter and use your data. There was never any question who was making every mile of that drive. I can't lie. It's not just Eddie's thing. It's a control freak thing. That, that's kind of the thing. You, you do it, and then you can complain about it afterwards because you did it. That's kind of one of the reasons yeah. you do it. I've, I've been there. there. I road trip everywhere, and you don't let me drive either. I don't let anybody else drive. Oh, that's not true. I, I'll let you drive. I'll take a nap. Never mind. I yeah, Joe. Joe, this is coming from a man who napped in the back of a van that I was driving. <laughs> like at least Eddie, at least Eddie stays coherent and talks to me. And yeah, I got a coffee with you at yeah. twelve thirty last night. You put some Carl's Junior in me. I'm yeah, out. but Eddie, look, our history is way too long. You slept all the way from Phoenix to San. Yeah, that's to San Antonio. One that's time. different. 
And that was through the night. That was that was you waking. That up. was a rough, rough I will trip. Say, Eddie, I had you thrown up in your car that week. <laughs> <laughs> so who was it a rough trip for? It, me. I I was, was so rough. hungover. You threw up in my new car. I know. A, a car I'm still driving. I know. That you leave your damn like Eddie, like Joe has started doing this thing. Like after the podcast, like I bring Joe a water, and I I know you think I don't notice this, Joe, but I do. I mentioned one day that like my house is turning into the signs house, like you know, uh, um, M Night Shyamalan, where the water is just sitting everywhere because the little girl says oh, it yeah. goes bad. And so Joe started taking his cups home, and I noticed that Joe, I appreciate that. You're welcome. Yeah, my my mother raised me right. I Whereas Eddie leaves all of his five hour energy crap and his Red Bulls sitting in my door. To where I'm driving down it's, the road. So they're there and when I get rattling, in next time. It's rattling. And since I'm driving and strapped <laughs> up, I can't reach over and make it unrattle. It drives me insane. It's, it's, so I, it's so they're there next time. Did you take your sunflower seeds yesterday? Yeah. Because there were still some left. Yeah, there's like if half a bag. If you had finished the bag, you would have left it in the floor. No, I would have I thrown it <laughs> away. No, you, would, you never have. I threw, I threw, I threw away the, uh, the coffee cup. Because there was still coffee in it. You didn't no, there was it. no coffee. I'd I feel like that's that. just a guy friend thing. My, all my guy friends leave crap in my <sighs> car. I had a friend leave a mucus bottle in my car all through high school he would just spit in i didn't what know what's wrong it. with him lots of lots of things are wrong with him but he i think he's been coughing up mucus since he was 12 joe by the uh, way is the most sickly person i've ever met that's 100 percent memory 100 percent true do we want to say anything about k-state before we get out of here games on saturday at 11 that sucks and i'm oh you will like no that. it's good good news good news good news the uh the the comments by a freshman defender do not bode well for K-State. I like Oklahoma in the points. I'll say that. Which, it's the strangest trash talk ever. The guy trash talked by using someone else's comments. <laughs> the guy didn't even say it directly to the media. It was said indirectly through another party, and it got Baker. It got the ire of Baker Mayfield. And that's all you have to do, though. I mean, that's. I would say that's more legitimate than the university's own television network airing trash talk. Yeah. At least he's a starter and plays. No, the guy that the guy that said it is a freshman that doesn't play. Uh, but then why were they even interviewing him? That's a good because it was K State and they don't like let people talk to the media. Yeah, that's weird. It's not like they have all that content to fill like Sooner Sports TV does. They have to throw out Austin Kendall. The game that nobody pays attention to probably end up being the best game of the year. Well, I mean, let's face it, the Kansas State. Nobody, when they come into Norman, it's just like, yeah, it's Kansas State, and they win. It's yep. the weirdest game. Except for the last two times they, they played have, in Norman. Yeah, oh, you won. Hasn't, no, oh, no, you no. Hasn't, I'm saying K-State oh, wins. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. I see what you're saying. But you, they don't have Trevor Knight to throw a, six, a pick six in this game. And it's not Halloween like it was that one year when they lost. Shaky kicker. Mike, Michael Honeycutt cost him the game oh. two years ago. But he wasn't shaky until that game. I know, but Seabird that has That game been. destroyed him. Yeah, he has. It, it really did. I think it even destroyed Bob Stoops' uh, love for Michael Honeycutt. He just completely threw him under the bus on Monday. I will say this about the K-State game. Watch out for their run game. I know everybody's built up like, oh, OU plays really good run defense. Well, yeah, they do statistically, but it's they haven't animal. played a lot of teams that actually want to run the ball. And, and they're Foreman, gonna be down, Foreman wore them down at the They're going to be down game. two defensive tackles, yeah. too. And, yeah. I mean, Charles Walker and Matt Dimer are going to yeah. be out. They're going to still an issue. While Kansas State will power run you to death, they'll also tri- they'll mix it up. They slip fullbacks the out. They, passes they, they pop guys yeah. out. I mean, you have to be on your game the entire way. 
Glenn Gronkowski is still running wide open down the sideline. Yep, there you go. They are more diverse. You know, when I do those uh, the under the hoods each year, like usually there'll be about seven formations. Kansas State has like 14. Like, yeah. it, it, it takes me forever to chronicle what they do because almost every series is a new personnel grouping and it's so different from one to the next. And their, their defensive line's good too. Jordan Willis is a good player. So, I mean, the they they'll bring a talented team. They will come in here after getting their asses handed to them last year, uh, and they will have a game plan put together to slow down the game, which they didn't do a year ago, which shocked me. Like to watch Bill Snyder not play a up tempo huddle, no huddle team, and not make a bigger attempt to slow down the game, that blew me away last year. He will have it ready to go this year. They will limit the possession. This is how they win in Norman. They limit the possessions, and, and it's like it's almost like somehow he gets his team to focus. Like when we play there, we have to do this or we get our heads kicked in, and they believe him. So they're going to come in here. They're going to try and limit it to five possessions a half for each team, five to six, and keep it close and then slowly eke out a win in the end. And that's their formula. That's how they won in Norman. In a way, I think that could be good news for Oklahoma on the defensive line front and that, you know, talking to Mike Stoops this past week, he was really worried about how many snaps Jordan Wade, Obo Aronco, those types of guys have gotten. And if they are going to slow it down, that should bode well for Oklahoma to limit those snaps. And you just got to get three and outs. And then that I think that everything else takes care of itself. The problem is Obo can handle 94 plays because he's just rushing the pass. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean... If you're Oklahoma, you have better talent. You want to have as many plays as possible. I mean, that's how you stay close. If you're K-State, you just take the air out of the ball. You think that will change the way Lincoln Riley approaches the game? No, hell no. Which means they could have a lot of three and outs. Which could be interesting. Could be interesting. I don't know. I I think it's going to be a lot to a little. I don't. I don't think it'll be fifty-five nothing. It's a game. It's it's definitely a game that worries you, but. We should know by halftime if K State's really in this or not. Like every every really, other, you could say the end of the first quarter. Yeah, I mean Oklahoma's better. They're much better than Kansas State, but you don't know what Oklahoma's going to show up Saturday. That's the truth. All right, uh, Josh. Once again, tell everybody what you're up to this weekend. Well, uh, it's a, it's probably my best slate of games so far this year. I've got tonight. I'm about. I'm actually in state lines now, so we are actually for the first time ever doing this podcast all within the same state, so that's that's a big news. But, uh, no, I, I'm on my way up I-75 right now going towards Tulsa to watch uh, OU commitments, Isaiah Thomas and Levi Draper uh, go head-to-head. I mean, they, and from what I've been told, there is a very good possibility that most of the night Levi Draper will be blocking Isaiah Thomas, so that could be kind of fun to watch. Even though it's not exactly the position Levi's going to play in college, you're getting to see Isaiah Thomas go against a good athlete and kind of see how that goes. Uh, and then tomorrow night, I will head back down to Dallas and catch Kennedy Brooks, the new running back commitment uh, from Mansfield, take on Arlington Lamar, uh, Shane Bouchelle's alma mater, and uh, OU's 2018 defensive line offer Bobby, uh, well, it's Trey Brown, it's what everybody calls him, but Bobby Brown's just way more fun all the way around and less confusing. That's your prerogative. I'm trying to think of the lyrics right now. I can't. Uh, and guys, uh, Eddie, Joe, Norman North Union this yep. week. Mm-hmm. We'll be there tomorrow. It's going to be a really interesting game. I'm, I'm interested to see what uh, Norman North's all about. Uh, finally they're going about up against. Life. Yeah, yep. see, literally to see if they're about that life. Number two versus number three. 
My T-Wolves. I want to hear the upset call. I want to hear it picked. Okay. Well, here's the deal. Norman North's going to oh, win. Oh, God. Here Norman go. North's going to win this game. They've been. This is their moment. Norman North, the West Side. This They've is been the waiting time. for that. Yes. That sounds like the most West Side thing too to beat a to beat a team in the regular season. Oh, it's oh, it's wow, it's, it's on the way to an undefeated season for the Norman North Timberwolves. I have full faith. Here's the thing, Joe. If you're really mater. serious about this, lay down. Let Union kick your ass. And so the motiv- motivation, make there. them overconfident. Yeah, motivation there, and make them overconfident. If you do meet them in the playoffs, I'll I'll pass that on to Coach Barnes. Actually, that, that might be the best way to go. It would be the best way to go. Actually, Bob might... Just pray for an ass-kicking. How about that? Bob will talk Don't to be you. Because we got to get good video. I want to <laughs> I want to get some good video. Pray for an ass-kicking where, ass where Drake Stoops and Isaac Stoops are the stars. There we go. Yeah, Patrick Fields for Union will also be there. OU offer 2018. Trey I wonder Brown. if Bob will be I mean, there tonight. Commit. Trey oh, yeah. Brown, yeah. I'm sure everybody will be there tomorrow night. Because yeah, Bob can go to this game, yeah, and he can see one of his own commitments. I'll tell you, this has gotten a lot of buzz in this area. This game, it's got a lot of hype. Really, should be uh, in what be, circles? Like at the the, the big time Norman North the circles, on-cue? Uh, <laughs> north of Robinson, <laughs> the old the old J Pats. <laughs> you go to the J Pats diner, sit down for a meal. They'll be talking Out about at it. Aussies, they can't stop talking about oh, this. It's, it's the it's the bell, the ball at Aussies. Get just if you're sitting over some uh, biscuits and gravy and pancakes, you're talking Ooh. about Norman North versus that is, Union. That is a good. What call, is the though. what would be the hipster hang? I guess Pub W is the hipster hangout for Dude, pub, Norman North pub, people. Pub W is great, but it it wasn't there when I was in school. That place has changed a thousand times. But so it's what's the what's the old school? I thought it was like the uh, you know, what's the music venue over like North the of Deli? Corner the Deli? No, not farther north. Farther uh, uh, the uh, Apollo or oh, something. Oh, the Opolis. Opolis. Oh, I don't know about that. That's, That's more m- the young youngins. Is it? That might yeah. be the new millennials. I'm more of the. The old millennial. I'm a big fan of the Delta. We have to go before we hey, all I, our I have heads one explode. Thing. I have one thing. Yes. I just wanted to uh, congratulate Boone Pickens and the 1945 oh, Oklahoma oh, yeah. A&M team for winning a uh, football national Did championship. Did they, they while, and Navy decide to have a rematch? Well, I just wanted to congratulate them while everybody was fighting a war overseas. They were winning a <laughs> national championship. So I just wanted to congratulate the 1945 team. Oh, <laughs> all right. Good, uh, could you send out that uh, that little uh, legal descriptor again uh, for us, Carrie? <laughs> I don't think I think those guys are too dead to sue us. Oh, my my uh, grandma and grandma are smiling down in heaven at you, Eddie. They are loving that. Yeah, and he, he's pro military. I like that. Uh, I'm just I'm yeah. I, I totally back that awful statement. <laughs> I love it. It was a congratulatory statement to one side. Yes, it was congratulatory. All right, we're going to get out of here before we all go to hell. Uh, thanks, I'm going. Thanks to Eddie Rodosovich, to Joe Duvall in the studio. Thanks to Josh for joining us on the road uh, and for not yell talking. Congratulations, Josh. You did not yell talk. You, you talked on the car phone without yell talking. That's a great accomplishment for you. Was seriously worried for quite some time. There was one point in the show where I was like, I'm about to get called out. I was pretty convinced that I had gone down that road. We may have to do a review. All right, everybody. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition. Uh, Eddie and I are going to go get some sleep, I think, a little bit more. Do you need some more sleep? Did you get some? Uh, maybe you didn't a have little to wake bit. up for radio this yeah, morning. Yeah, I didn't like have to I do did. radio. I got up I'll at go 11. get some more sleep. Uh, and then we'll see you guys next week. We'll try and get it done earlier next week. By the way, go, write the, go rate the podcast on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google, whatever. Uh, please go give us five stars. I'm not even going to 
pretend like you would give us anything else. Uh, so thank you for that and for all the people who have rated us so far uh, and for downloading the show. Go check out Soonerscoop.com. Still a lot of uh, great Jacob Phillips coverage. And we'll see you next time on another edition of the Unofficial 40 here on Soonerscoop.com.